Welcome to In the Arena with Now, where we explore what it would look like for every child, parent, and family to have equitable access to critical resources and opportunities they need to lead healthy, thriving lives and have a seat at the table to drive solutions. I'm your host, Rhonda Alexander, Director of Operations for the Networks of Opportunity for Child Wellbeing, an initiative of the Vital Village Network at Boston Medical Center. This episode was recorded in early 2020, prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and the intensified focus on systemic racism following the murders of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and George Floyd. Although this conversation was recorded prior to the COVID-19 pandemic and the heightened civil unrest and reckoning around the brutal treatment of people of color by law enforcement, the work of Vital Village Networks to share stories of community leadership continues. These stories are data, and using data to tell a system story can begin to shift policies towards addressing structural racism within our society. As we continue the fight against the twin pandemics of systemic racism and COVID-19, we will keep collecting and sharing stories of how our communities are driving transformation for healthy children and families. My name is Rupe Kimball. I am um, one of the community partners with Austin Coming Together, and I'm also a owner-operator of a daycare center in the Austin community. And my name is Jose Abance. I'm a lead organizer for Austin Coming Together. My name is uh, Sandra Diaz. I'm the hub coordinator at Austin Coming Together. Wonderful. Well, welcome. I am so happy to have you all on. Before we jump into the big questions of what we're going to talk about today, um, can you all tell me more about Austin Coming Together? What are your goals and how did you all get started? Austin Coming Together is a member-based organization in the Austin neighborhood of Chicago and really we're collective impact organizations, so we try to leverage our community partners uh, in order to increase and make an impact in four different goals, which are the first goal is access to quality early learning opportunities, living wage careers, safe neighborhoods, and stabilizing the housing market. And so currently, right now, our network is made up of about 60 member organizations that all either service Austin residents and or are located in uh, physically located in the Austin neighborhood. So that's a little bit about Austin coming together. Uh, Ruth Kimball, as the director of the Austin Child Care Providers Network, is a member organization of our network, and she's aligned with our early childhood goal and really trying to work with different providers across the Austin community to uh, get and create opportunities for greater access to um, quality early learning for youth in Austin. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I am so excited to continue hearing about your goals and the work that you all are doing. So I know you you all focus on the Austin um, neighborhood in Chicago. Tell me, what are some of the needs, some of the bigger needs that are facing your community? And perhaps in particular, you can tell me about something you really want to highlight or something that you're really proud of. Yeah, I think I think I can speak generally to some of the different uh, challenges in the community. And um, and then I'll, I'll ask Ruth to kind of chime in specifically around the early learning landscape that we have in Austin. 
But generally in Austin, you know, it's geographically the biggest community in the city of Chicago. And it's a very dense community as well. We have a little over 97,000 residents that live in a, in Austin and predominantly a black community. It's uh, about 85% black, uh, 13% Latino, and about five or so percent white. But over time, and especially over the last couple of decades, Austin has been impacted by the black exodus in, in Chicago and in the state of Illinois. So Austin has seen a decrease in its population. At one point, we were well over 100,000 residents here in the community. Due to a lot of different factors, a lot of residents have been leaving. There's a there's increasingly a need for more affordable housing, a need for more economic opportunities that lead to uh, career paths for residents in Austin. But with all that being said, I think Austin, with its, with its proximity to downtown, we're literally only like five miles away from downtown. And we have a beautiful housing stock, beautiful architecture, and the infrastructure here in Austin exists to be able to really put community at the forefront of what revitalization can look like. So just to kind of give more perspective specifically around early childhood, I want to just give Ruth the opportunity to kind of share from her perspective as an expert in Austin, what she's seeing and what she's working with on. Hi, I um, want to talk more about the expansion of pre-K program in the state of Illinois and how it has impacted the workforce of early education uh, teachers and providers. For the last four years, the program has expanded and has what it has done is had a very hard effect on the workforce for early childhood because many of the workforce employees are now going to CPS, which weakens the infrastructure of family child care and daycare center programs. So we are really working hard with building up that infrastructure again by getting providers back to school to earn their credentials and their degrees. And it has really been a challenge. So this is one of the main focuses of Austin Child Care Providers Network is to build up that infrastructure, the pool of qualified staff working with the children in the Austin community. And Ruth, I heard you mention CPS. Can you tell me exactly what that means? Or what that acronym stands for? Chicago Public School. Thank you. <laughs> they, have a, um, they have a huge grant that comes from the federal government that provides funding for four-year-olds to attend the Chicago Public Schools. So with that being what it is, now these children are now funneled into CPS. It takes away from the children in the family child care and center-based programs. I see. I'm sure that's... Certainly something that needs to be addressed. And how do we make sure that we're supporting our small businesses and our communities? I think um, if I can just also add what Ruth is really at, you know, at the forefront of leading here is in Austin, with it being such a large community, Austin also has the most home daycare providers and centers than any other community in Austin. And so it really brings up this concern of what universal pre-K in our public schools looks like and what that means for, for the small businesses and that are home daycare providers and, and centers. And so really, I think right now we're at this point where the work that Ruth has been leading for so many years is now even that much more heightened and needed so that we can make a real 
impact or, and be proactive uh, instead of reactive. I also I do want to kind of address the second part of your question around like what are some good things that are happening and what are what are some of the things that we're doing to address the challenges and something that Ruth was a big proponent of and and a leader in in making sure its voice is uh, within our quality of life plan, which is called the Austin Forward Together plan. And that was kind of this two-year community-driven planning process where stakeholders like Ruth and, and others, over 500 in total, were able to, on a month-to-month through monthly meetings, be able to develop what a vision and what strategies look like to address the highest priorities in Austin. And so that's a community plan that was published in late 2018, and we're now kind of in year two of implementation. But since launching, we've been able to attract uh, $13 million towards implementation efforts. So that's that's been a huge win and lift. And now it's really continuing to leverage all the partners like Ruth and all the different stakeholders in the community that are doing the work to help them build their capacity, to help them scale up and really meet the need of, of the community when it comes to the work that needs to be done. So something that we're really excited about, something that we're looking forward to implementing over the next five years. Wow. It sounds like you all are really doing a lot for your community um, and bringing people together, which I think leads me right into my next question. And, you know, talking about all the great work that you're doing, um, who are some of the partners that you've engaged in addition to um, the Austin Child Care Network, but who are some other partners that you're working with? The kind of the partners range. Um, there's community residents who aren't necessarily tied to any agency. There are nonprofit uh, representatives um, that have youth programming or are doing workforce development. We have city colleges at the table, uh, Malcolm X, and again. With Austin coming together, being a member-based organization, the years leading up to us taking on this community plan, we were able to leverage the relationship-building efforts that we had done over the years. And so with uh, with the members in our network, we leveraged them to invite them to the table and really help us shape what this plan can look like. Those organizations um, include organizations like Westside Health Authority, mm-hmm. BUILD, Manufacturing Renaissance, Jane Adams Resource Corporation, Oak Park Regional Housing Center. I can go on and on, but in total, as far as like individuals who gave input to the plan, it was it was well over 500 people over the span of 18 months or so. Wow. That really speaks to the power of community, but the power of you all's ability to bring folks together and to have folks work together on something collectively to really change what it looks like for children and families in Austin to thrive. So I want to shift gears um, just a little bit because, you know, we were so proud and just so happy to have you all as members of the now learning community. And I would love to hear your perspective and your thoughts on how your participation in the learning community has impacted the work that you all have been doing. I think it was an interesting time when we became part of this uh, project. During that time, I think we had probably just were about to release our plan with the community. And so we have, we had already had a lot of conversations around like planning and community development, but 
the plan was not yet published and kind of coming into uh into the now project we really were able to use some of the tools that that kind of you all supported us with so tool, specific tools i that i recall were like the 90 day challenges that were very similar to some of the tools we had developed uh internally to help us implement the plan. And so we were calling them action plan templates and the 90 day challenge template was very similar. We definitely took advantage of kind of the close similarity between the two documents and used the 90 day challenge as a way to get more detailed on very specific projects that were within our action plans. So that was like a tool. I think the other thing that we were exposed to was just the, the learning community that was made up of different different communities across the country that were all addressing childhood well-being in different ways and at different levels and capacities. And so I was really impressed and, and motivated as to how the work that we're doing on the ground in Austin could potentially put us in position to where some of these other learning communities are, specifically around policy. I think in Austin, we haven't had the opportunity yet to organically develop our own policy agenda. And I think the plan that we've been able to come around is going to put us in position to be able to identify what what barriers actually look like. Because we could have all the resources coordinated and aligned. We could have all the partners at the table, but they're still going to potentially be policy barriers Mm -hmm. that won't allow us to fully implement our vision. And so I think it being exposed to the different learning communities and and seeing how they're going about with their advocacy efforts, how they're engaging their elected representatives for policy change really has inspired us and motivated us. And although we're not quite in a position to be able to have specific policy items that we need to address or want to change, I'm really looking forward to reconnecting with those learning communities that have gone through this and and being able to learn from them in the near future. Yeah, well, Jose, I mean, you totally summed up what peer learning is. I mean, that's really the value we had hoped we might bring and that working with you all, reminding you all that you all have the knowledge and the wisdom and the experience. And so it was so lovely to see you all, all of the coalitions within the learning community sort of share resources and ideas and learn from one another. So I'm, I'm so happy that that was a great experience for you all. I'm going to shift gears back a little bit to talk more about the work that you all have been doing. You know, as you do this work in the community, we know that it's not all sunshine and roses or milk and honey um, or whatever analogy you want to use, but it can be really challenging. And I'd love to hear about perhaps an example of a challenge that you all have dealt with um, and how you navigated that challenge. Yeah, I think I would really like to loop in Sandra on this. And Sandra has worked very closely with Ruth over the past year or so. And she was, you know, really closely tied to Ruth and, and, supporting Ruth as she was attempting to build her capacity to be able to service providers in Austin. So if Sandra can speak to her experience and kind of the work that she was has done in collaboration with Ruth, I, I, that'd be great. I think that one of our biggest challenges when I came on to working with Ruth, one of the biggest challenges we found was partnering with uh, city colleges because a lot of times it felt like 
we were doing a lot of the work to like loop them in and to get them involved and to kind of explain this idea of this cohort that Ruth wanted to create. And it took a really long time before we actually were able to sit down with them and express the importance of it and how we wanted to do it. And finally, we're able to find one of the city colleges oh that was willing to work with us. Well, um, basically, because of the bureaucracy levels that are in these structures, we were able to finally get someone who understood and saw the big picture. So that's where we are now with Malcolm X. And because we have a liaison that sort of have a call in every every other week, we're able to talk about all the barriers that providers are facing. Mm -hmm. And that is so much better than going around and around in circles. So, yeah, and, you know, we had a lot of issues and we still do have issues, but we've cut through a lot of those issues because of our relationship or partnership that we have with Malcolm X. And I'm really happy to say that we're moving forward. Mm -hmm. It's happening right now. Yeah, well, that is certainly, certainly something to be proud of. And the fact that you all were able to navigate those challenges and really move through it and find a a system and find a partner who's willing to work with you. I think that so much of the work that we do in communities and so much of the work that we do anywhere is really about relationships. And it sounds like you all spent a lot of time building and strengthening those relationships with the colleges. So I would like to keep us moving along. You shared quite a bit that you were proud of, so I'm so excited about that. Um, I'd love to hear, based on the things that you are proud of, this work that you're doing with the colleges, how is that impacting the community? How is that impacting the Austin neighborhood? I feel so gratified because we've been working on this for probably three years. And to have providers who have been in the business, these are all business owners, really see the advantage now that they are going to be able to continue their education after being out of school for 10 or 15 years. And it's possible. They didn't think it was possible. But because we had to cut through a lot of fat and get a lot of things, some groundwork set for them, offering them support systems, putting in place these support systems for them, because These providers work 12 hours a day. I tell everybody this 12-hour day is a long day for anybody to have to deal with other people's children and then go to school at night. So they see the big picture now. We are so happy that we've made these strides. And and I think this is a great success story. Absolutely. So as we come to the end, I know this time flies by so ever so quickly. Um, I have two more questions for you. And would love for you to all weigh in on on both of these these last two questions. The first one is around counter stories. One of the things that we talked about quite a bit in the in the now learning community is you know the stories that you typically hear about poor neighborhoods, neighborhoods of color. You know, typical that there's trouble, they're dangerous, all of these things. I would love to know what's the counter story? What's the story about Chicago, about Austin, the Austin neighborhood that you want to be able to hear and that you want to be able to tell that will make you proud? For me, it's the fact that if people reach out to people who have less than they have and are willing to offer support to them, that makes the whole community better. And I think that's been a problem. People don't understand the value of collaboration and working together. 
And I think we are at that point now where we have put it in stone that we're here to work with everybody who wants to work with us. Yeah, I think from my perspective, from Austin Coming Together perspective, it's really we we had to counter that narrative that we work in silos, that we don't want to partner with one another, that we as nonprofit organizations are competing against one another for the same dollars, the same resources. We really wanted to shift that narrative and, and really highlight what true collaboration can actually lead to. And so at this point, what collaboration has led to is a community vision, a community blueprint that we can now follow, that we can now convene around and coordinate resources around. We have a lot of relationships that are addressing different issue areas, whether it's um, education or whether it's public safety or, or economic development. I think even within public safety, you know, sometimes communities like Austin get this rep that it's unsafe, that is perception that the neighborhood is not safe. But what community or the city doesn't know is that there's actual intentional strategic partnerships between the police department and and nonprofit partners and stakeholders where mobilizations uh, occur wherever um, there's been a series of incidents on any given neighborhood block. And we try to come together to show that you know what, there's resources here that we can offer. And even if you don't need a resource, we just want to show our faces to to just show people on different neighborhood blocks that it isn't just all crime or that it isn't that there is it isn't just a bunch of like youth that are up to no good. So we really try to work hard and really try to leverage those partnerships to show a united and committed front to addressing the challenges that Austin has, but also making sure we capture the opportunities that exist in Austin as well. So I think that's that's something I've I've seen and have witnessed, have tried to practice. I agree with everything you guys mm-hmm. both say. You guys have both said. I think for me, it's definitely like everyone's eagerness to do something and to to want to do something for everyone in the community. Like I've seen it through the work that Ruth does in her wanting to do something not just for like the children um, that she works with in her daycare, but also for like the organizations that she works with through her network. We've seen it with the Black Club leaders that we've worked with and, you know, how they want to start their own programming to be able to provide more resources for the people within their neighborhoods. So like that want of the community to want to like help each other and Mm -hmm. see each other kind of um, lift themselves up has been like one of the most beautiful things I think Mm -hmm. that I've definitely seen from this community. Wonderful. So my last question is what's on the horizon? What are you excited about or excited by um, for the future of the Austin neighborhood? Let's see. I think I'm excited about a lot of things. Just again, going back to the community plan, like us having a vision that has been community driven is so crucial because now that puts us in position to be able to dictate how development and resources get funneled into the community and, and, and have it be strategic and intentional because oftentimes I think in the past, funders have always funded things that they think need to be funded or things that 
are their priorities as funders. But now we're able to kind of steer them in the right direction based on what the community has identified as priorities. I'm very excited about continuing to cultivate that kind of different funder and community relationship that exists. Um, continuing to shift what that looks like and have have it be more community controlled, more ownership in the community of what that looks like and 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 what those outcomes are. So that's something that very that excites me a lot. Yeah, you know what excites me is that now I have a better idea of the products and services that are in our community because before it was so fragmented we didn't know who was doing what. So now we have this large community of organizations working together. And that is, that is so exciting. Yeah, I think uh, definitely similar to what both of them said again. It's just seeing how the, um, how everybody lifts themselves up mm-hmm. and helps each other out. Exactly. Thank you, Ruth, Jose, and Sandra, for your work in organizing and driving change for children and families in the Austin neighborhood. Your work to build the capacity of childcare providers, as well as create more space for community members to advocate for their needs, is an amazing example of true community-led transformation. Thank you for listening to In the Arena with Now. To learn more about the networks of opportunity for child well-being, please visit our online forum at networksofopportunity.org. Along with webinars, blogs, and links to this podcast, the Now Forum hosts a ton of additional resources through our searchable database. This episode was produced by Rhonda Alexander and Diana Rivera, with music composed by Morgan Breland. In the Arena with Now is sponsored by the Vital Village Network at Boston Medical Center and made possible by funding from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect those of the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation.